0: Do me a favor and track down a Bible and get with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4 on page 961. And the Bibles, if you pick one up off the ground out of one of those baskets, it would be on page 961. We're doing a series right now, <clears throat> and it is a series on Belong. We're, we're talking about how can we make our churches, the different campuses, how can we make these places where it's safe, where people feel that they can come in and experience something that... That feels like a gospel culture. It feels like people can be honest and not have to pretend, and it feels like it's safe to do that, and it feels like a place where other people are going to meet us where we're at and and help us to get to know our Savior better and better. And so what we've been doing uh, is, is we actually have some small group curriculum, and some of our groups right now are going through a, a study on Belong, and so they're hanging out in homes, and they're watching short little videos and doing some discussion questions and just talking, how can we as a church become more of a place where people experience this profound sense of belonging? Um, and then on the weekends, one of the things that we're doing at, at our sites is we are talking about not only that anyone ought to come in and feel a sense of belonging, but specific people groups. We can look at different kind of age ranges and go, man, our churches, we ought to, we ought to be paying attention to this people group. We ought to, we ought to be aware that this age group is going to come in here and we have a certain obligation to treat them in a way that's going to help them to thrive. And so we've been doing that on the weekends as well. So this morning, we're going to look at the importance of youth and young people and we're going to think about how we as a church family could organize and orchestrate ourselves in such a way that a teen could come in here and feel that they belong. That we as a church family would think through how can we relate to young people, so that when a family comes in here and they're dropping their kids off in Kids Works, they have this sense right away that my kids are going to be well cared for, that they're going to experience appropriate teaching and relationships out there that are going to help them to know who God is and what He's like. So, as a church, we're going to look at this idea of how we can create a place of belonging for the youth in our community and in our church. And we're going to look at this text, and we're going to see the example of what happens when a young person is able to thrive, some of the things that they could become. Um, but what I, w- what I want to suggest as well is, if that's true of our teens, if that's true of our 20-somethings, if this is kind of the standard that we're looking at, then certainly we could be applying it to our own hearts as well. That as we are older individuals, we say, we want our young people to be examples of this, but we too want to live out our faith in a profound way. So let's read this one verse. We'll pray, and we will get to work. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 says this. Paul, writing to a younger man named Timothy, says this. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Let's pray. God, we are asking, please, that you would make this a church community where teens from Harlem High School and Hananiga and other places would come in here and they would feel like this is home. And they would feel like there are adults in here who love and care for them. And, and then, Lord, would, would you help them to grow and mature and flourish so that they could be examples of what faithfulness looks like played out in real time. Lord, we, we pray that as a church community that we would be doing a great job of helping our young people grow in their knowledge of you and in the way that they live by faith in the Son of God. We pray this in your name. Amen. A little bit of background. Uh, when, I was, when I was 18 years old and I felt um, a call to ministry... I started an action sports ministry. We started doing um, skateboarding and wakeboarding and some different things, and really it was a a ministry to youth culture. We were thinking through how could we do stuff that's going to reach young people who maybe wouldn't even feel comfortable coming to church or to a youth group, but we're going to go to them and we're going to use that platform of those different sports to try to reach people who are far from God. And so I did that for um, several years, a couple years to launch it, five years as we managed that ministry. And in the midst of that, I felt called then uh, to local church ministry as I kind of realized that the action sports thing was great, but the local church, that's where it's really at. And so then I became a youth pastor at the Beloit campus, and this was way back in 08, but I was the youth pastor at the Beloit campus and I, and I was investing myself in the teens in Beloit and in South Beloit and Rockton, Roscoe and Clinton and other places as well. And I that for eight, eight years. And so, when we talk about youth and we talk about the importance of a church investing in the next generation, that's the world I have primarily lived in. And so, I have experience in it, and, and I want to share with you that I think that young people, based off of my firsthand experience, I think that young people have it in them to not only follow Christ at a young age, but to actually become examples of Christ's followers. And that's what Paul is suggesting here. He's looking at Timothy and he's saying, you have it in you to not be looked down on because of your age, but by your activity as a follower of Christ, people could look at you and see what it looks like to be faithful to God. And so as a church, I want that to be the pursuit that we have for young people. I want us to be thinking through how could we organize ourselves so that children who are here and teenagers who, who show up and young adults that, that we're doing such a good job of caring for them and supporting them that they're going to thrive and actually become examples of godly young people. So it is possible, you see it at the beginning of chapter 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for all the believers in these different ways. And my, my, um, I guess what I'm suggesting is we could do ministry to our children to our children, to our teens, and do it in a way where they are actually going to thrive. Now, having done student ministry for a long, long time, I know that that's not always the case, that you can design ministry in a way that doesn't really help students thrive. And I'm saying, let's let that be our aim. Our aim is that our young people would be examples, that we would look to them and say, that is what it looks like. We're not just trying to get them through this season of life. We're trying to help them presently to live faithfully for God. And so I think it's really important that we would design our ministries to, to try to accomplish that. Now, when I was doing the Action Sports Ministry, it was back in the late 90s and early 2000s, and do you guys remember what Christians used to say? We, here's what we need to do. We need to become relevant. We need to show people that you can be a Christian and be cool. And that was kind of the, the philosophy of ministry. Youth ministry was, let's let everyone know that you can be a Christian and be cool. And we did that for a while, and then we realized, that's not really helpful. That's not really the best strategy moving forward. And then as I got into student ministry, I realized there was another philosophy of ministry that was at play, and that was simply, let's, do, let's have the funnest, wildest experience that we can get as many people as possible into, and that's the way that we're going to reach the youth culture. And as I've lived in this world for a long, long time and interacted in all these different spaces, I think those things have a place and they're fine. Christians can be cool and still be faithful. We can have tons of fun. But the aim that I want to go after is how can we help young people be examples of of godliness in in the way that they live? How can we say that's the agenda, that's what we're going for, and they have it in them to, to become that? And the youth group that I led for a number of years, I see all kinds of examples. Some of them are sitting here today. I'll point that out as we move through the text. But some of these young people lived as examples to me and are still living out their faith even today. And so I want to suggest that we design our ministries to try to help young people become examples of faithfulness. Now, let's look at some of these different agendas. Um, there, there are a handful here. There are five here in our text. And this is what we're aiming at. We want to be examples in these different ways. And we should be applying this to our own hearts as well. So the first one is, young people have it in them to be examples in the way that they communicate. Be an example for all the believers in the way that you speak. Young people can actually set an example for communication. And, um, and that's not easy. I think if you're a teen in here, if you're a youth in here right now, you have an uphill battle. Uh, I met with a, with a um, staff leader of Campus Crusade this week, and he's uh, doing college-based ministry, and we were just chatting, and um, I was learning his story, and he's actually been in this uh, campus-based ministry for 15 or 16 years, doing the same thing, you know, doing his thing. And I, I was asking him, what changes have you seen in youth culture? What are some of the things that you've seen in these last 15 years that have changed? And he said... One of the things that stands out to me when you ask a question like that is, young people don't know how to communicate. They don't even know how to talk to another person. They don't know how to carry a conversation. He said, that's weird for us as a relational ministry. We're, trying, we're having to make huge adjustments now because we can't just sit down with somebody and have a normal conversation anymore. We have to text them. Like we, we can't pick up the phone and call them and expect for them to answer on the other end but we have to figure out, okay, how can we meet them where they're at? And one of the things that he was saying is, we're having to do communication in, in different ways now, and just having to figure that out and navigate that. So young people, you can be an example in the way that you communicate, but I'm suggesting you're going to have to be very intentional here. And you're going to have to say, I'm going to work on this because it's probably not going to come naturally. But it is possible. So when I was doing student ministry, I was I was reminded of this young guy named Jacob, and he um, was the thing that stands out to me is when I would talk to him, he would carry a conversation, and that was weird. This young guy, I remember going on a trip with him, and he I'm driving the big fifteen passenger van, and he's sitting in shotgun, and we're talking, and he is carrying the conversation, and I'm thinking this is odd a young man who can communicate in a healthy way. But that was an example for me, that he was able to communicate in a way that reflected maturity. Young people can do that. They have it in them to do that. All the stuff that I'm suggesting this morning, young people can do. And this became profoundly true for me when I went to Africa and and I met this 12-year-old boy named George, and his mom was in the hospital, and he was caring for not only himself but for his younger siblings as well. And he'd get up before the sun did, and he would take care of business at home. He'd get everyone ready and out the door, walk through the slum in Nairobi, and he'd get them to the school, do all the schoolwork, come home, do the cooking, do the cleaning, 12-year-old boy. And and I go and I visit there, and then I come back to our youth group, and I look at the the culture of youth in our society. And I go, man, we are under-challenging them we give them permission to be adolescents until they're 30 when are we going to call out from the youth their their potential their possibilities when are we going to invest in them and believe that they have it in them to actually do this stuff to even be able to communicate in a way that is an example to the rest of us youth can be an example in their speech youth can be an example in their conduct you see that in the text there, that, that we're called to be examples in the way that we behave, in the way that we think and talk and feel and, and, and act and the choices that we make. Doing student ministry reminded me of the importance of ethics. I learned that very quickly, that it really does matter how we live. That if we live in a way that pays attention to the things of God, it, people notice that. If we don't, however, people also notice that. There were multiple times when students would come into the youth group and they'd see one of the students in a position of leadership in our youth group, and they'd go, hmm, this doesn't add up, because I see how they behave when they're not here, and I'm seeing them now in a leadership position in the youth group, and that was actually detrimental to our our student ministry. There were some people who said, I'm not going to come there if that person is in leadership, because the way that they behave, the way that they conduct themselves, is, not, is lacking in integrity. They're, they might be putting on a show at church, but how they're living in, at school <clears throat> and in the community is very different. And can't that be true of all of us? But we need to be examples of people who pay attention to our conduct. The way that we live has the ability to be something that points to the beauty of the message that we have. We can live in a way that makes people take note and go, this is different. They are are conducting themselves in a way that is different, that doesn't just go with the trends of culture, but stands out and does what is pleasing to God. Um, We can be examples in the way that we love. Young people can do this for us. They can show us that God is the God of love, and they can be examples for us of showing us what that looks like. There was a young lady in our youth group. Her name is Marissa. And um, every, we would do a Bible study every week during the 9 o'clock service. And then we'd go to church together. And for years and years, I was doing this Bible study. And Marissa was one of the faithful attendees who would come. And so we'd be sitting down in the basement of the Bloy campus doing this Bible study. And there was one week where I'm going through a, a Bible study with the students. And I'm helping them to think about what these things mean and how they apply. And I hear a whimpering. And I hear this whimpering. And so I'm looking around and I see Marissa's eyes are full of tears. And she's just quietly crying to herself. And I'm like, oh, crud, what have I done? Uh, But then I begin to ask her, hey, hey, Marissa, what's going on right now? And she was so moved because here's what she's doing. We're going through a Bible study, but here's what she's doing. She is thinking about her friends who do not know God. And it is affecting her she is emotionally engaged in that moment, and she is crying about these people that she loves and she cares for, and she recognizes as much as I care about these people, God cares infinitely more. And so I'm sitting there leading this study, and I get done with it, and I am I have to repent after I'm done. And I, I walk away from that, and I go, when I grow up, I want to be like Marissa. Like, I have a cold heart that can just go through material, that can just love what the Bible has to say, but not see that the Bible wants me to love actual people. And I walked away from that going, I, have a, I need to grow. I need to grow up and be more like Marissa because she is an example of somebody who loves well. And, and, and she did that for me. So young people can be an example of love. Young people can be an example of faith. Um, they can live in a way that acknowledges there's a God who's leading them, and they can trust that he's always going to take care of them. For me, uh, one of the students who was a part of the youth group that did this for me was Raquel. Raquel, uh, after she finished up school, she goes down to Orlando to YWAM, and then she goes to India and did some other mission stuff as well. Then she landed in Haiti, and she did ministry there for a season. She moved to Indy and married Isaac, and Um, but but this season of her life, when she finished up high school, what was she doing as a young person? Walking by faith. She's trusting God is going to provide for her, and she's not going to do the the ordinary track that other people go through, but she's going to say, I'm going to devote this season of energy and life and flexibility to the things of God, and she was an example of faith for me. Finally, you see this call to be examples in purity. Young people can be an example in the way that they order their lives and try to stay away from things that are tempting or that would lead to impurity. And, and in, in the youth group, I mean, I could point to <clears throat> a number of different people who, who did this well, um, but, but it really does matter. And those people kind of come to the surface of my memory when I think about what the youth group was like and, and why it was so fun to lead that crew of young people and, and even what they're up to now is, is always encouraging. Um, I, was, I was sharing in the last service that, you know, I, Isaac, he's here this morning, but he was one of those dudes who, he, he's from Indy, but he came to our, to outdoor outreach one year and met Raquel, and they got married years later. But um, when I think about the, the way that he carried himself and even the stories that I would hear Raquel tell about him, I realized here's a young man who is pursuing purity, who's thinking through how he can do life In a way that is that is pure and and that is noteworthy isn't it that young people who make the ambition of being pure stand out and it does something about it helps us to to recognize god is good and he he when he's at work in somebody's life it is beautiful and it is attractive now all of the stuff that i've suggested all the stuff that we find in this text I, I, i need to say this i'm not suggesting that we just come up with our list and go, all right, guys, let's go try really hard, and let's try to get our kids to do these different things. The truth of what's happening here is these are li- this is a life that's transformed by the gospel. The way that we're going to grow in all these different ways and have our young people become examples of, of godliness and the way that they conduct themselves is when they are changed by the gospel, the gospel begins to change them. And so what we need to do as a church is just recognize we need to keep students, keep revisiting the gospel, keep getting them to the beauty of God's love for them and the transforming power of his grace and help them to become these different things. Now, what I want to ask is, will you help me do this? As a church, can we say, we actually care about our youth and we're going to do what we can to help them become examples of godliness? As you read the text... I want to point this thing out. What we have here is our agenda. It's a call to instruct the next generation. Paul is writing. He's an older believer, a more mature believer, and he's writing to a younger believer. And so we see this pattern then. If we want our young people to thrive, if we want them to be examples, they need to be taught. Young people don't just drift into godliness. Godliness happens when we begin to move people toward it very strategically. We teach and instruct them. We help them to know the things of God. We help them to know what it looks like to live by faith. We, we need to help them along. And so my ambition for our campus is that we would invest in our young people, that we sitting around here would go, we're going to do what we can to help this become a place where, where teens come in and they feel like they belong. We don't have a youth program. If we did, we'd have to rent space again. We don't have this killer youth ministry that we can just push all of our teens into. But what if on Sunday morning when they came to church, they knew they were valued? What if they showed up and they recognized, there's a bunch of adults here who care about me. Not just care about me, but invest in me. They, they, they're, they're asking me questions about life. They're, asking me, uh, they're helping me to learn how to have normal conversations. They actually care about me. What if we decided we were going to devote ourselves to the youth in our community? Well, let me, as you pray about this, let me share with you a couple different opportunities that you have right before you. The first thing that you could easily do, if you say, you know what, that sounds pretty cool. I want to do something to help the youth in our church family and in this community. One thing that would be very easy is volunteer to help with Kids Works. We have a children's ministry. 20 to 30 kids each week, sometimes more than that. And one of the things that we can do if we say we care about the young people in our church, one thing we could do is resource that ministry. And we could say, once a month, I'm going to come to 9 o'clock church so I can still get my thing, and I'm going to stay for 1030, and I'm going to volunteer out there. I don't like kids, so I'm just going to do security or check-in. But I'm out there because I value young people. Or maybe you say, you know what, I kind of like kids. I had a couple. They, they're okay people. You say, I'm going to go ahead and just volunteer as a leader. And I'm going to be out there investing in these young people, using the curriculum, supporting the team that does this week by week because they really do care about the youth in our community. One thing we could easily do is jump into the kids' ministry here. There are other ministries that I could make you aware of, Outdoor Outreach, Rock House Kids, other stuff that we partner with as a campus. That you could easily jump into some of you might feel drawn to the teens you might think you know what kids are very important but in my wheelhouse I'm probably going to best serve teenagers middle school and high school kids one of the things that we could do if that's your passion is we could help you get connected with some teens that are in here we have we have um, high school students who show up each week and if you say look I want to invest in high school students Let's start trying to pair you up with them, get you connecting, having coffee, you know doing your thing, whatever kids drink, monster drinks or whatever. You just hang out with them, ask them a bunch of questions, spend time investing in them. Um, there's also a young life chapter that meets at Hananiga High School, Alex Huffines in Sydney. They, they lead the, the charge at Hananiga, and you might say, "Look, I'll, I want to hang out with, with teenagers." Well, you can jump into the a Young Life chapter and be a part of that, and they've got a team. Many of you are in here this morning, uh, but that'd be a great way to get connected. There's a, there's a group, a Christian group, that meets here at Harlem High School, a bunch of teens. I'm trying to figure out who they are, um, but, I'm, but here's what I'd love to do. What if we as a church said, whatever they're doing, we're going to come alongside them and try to support and encourage them. If they're faithfully Meeting with their peers and they're loving each other, we're going to figure out how we can get some adults supporting and encouraging that ministry. But we, we should be invested in, in the teens as well. One final uh, opportunity Jake's in here this morning, but we support JJM, and it's a ministry to the, the teens that have been incarcerated and. There's opportunities there. You might think, man, in my background, I not only care about youth, but I care about youth who have made some poor choices and been dealt some crummy hands of cards. And and they they found themselves in a situation where they need adults to come alongside them now and love and care for them. And maybe you're interested in that, but I can get you in contact with Jake this morning. But there are all kinds of different opportunities. There's one more I'm going to make you aware of, and then I'm going to invite Mike, up here to to interview him about it but one more thing that we can do it's a program that that we have embraced here at our campus it's a program to do some mentoring with students from this community we we are going to mentor 10 to 12 students at ralston elementary and uh, it's called kids hope usa it's a mentoring program where during the school day we go in and we build friendships with, with some young people and it's a way for us as a church community to say we care we're here. We're invested. We, we want people to know. We want young people to know that we care about the youth in our community, and we want to do what we can as a church to help them. But guys, as a church family, will you please pray about joining up in some of these initiatives? Will you pray about investing in the next generation? We need to be a church that says, we're creating a place of belonging for young people. So please do join me. Let me pray, and then I'll invite Mike up. And uh, I'll interview him about Kids Hope. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for this wonderful church family. And thank you for the, the fact that this is a place that feels safe and feels like home for so many of us. But God, we want to continue to pay attention to the youth in our, in our own church family and in this community. And we want to make efforts to do a better and better job of helping them to become examples of what it looks like to live by faith in the Son of God. We pray in his name. Amen. All right, Mike, if you would join me. Uh, Mike came on staff as a part-time staff member doing outreach stuff not too long ago, um, doing Alpha stuff, and that's been wonderful. Uh, But one of the other initiatives that we gave to him was Kids Hope USA and uh, leading the charge with that ministry. And so I'm just going to ask Mike uh, a few different questions, because some of you guys don't even know him yet. So I want to make you aware of who he is and what he's up to, and give you uh, a chance to hear a little bit about him and his family and uh, these different ministry initiatives. So first off, just tell us about yourself. What has it been like moving here, connecting with this church, and coming on staff part-time? What's that all been like for you and your fam?
1: It's, it's been a season of hard work. We moved here in 2017, about the end of the year, and uh, once we got here, we were trying to get connected with a church, and um, that was a lot of hard work. And at times, it was even isolation. And then when we, when we found this campus, everything just clicked for us. Um, it felt like a family that we could be a part of and uh, a family that we could contribute to. It's been, it's been awesome to be here.
0: Yeah, well, we've really loved having you and Maggie and Elliot a part of this. And you know, some of you guys know Maggie does a lot of the food services stuff for a bunch of our ministries, so we're grateful for that. And you've been leading the charge with the Alpha and now Kids Hope stuff. Tell us a little bit about Kids Hope. It's a big organization. They're in schools all across the nation. Some of us have never heard of it before. So what's the vision for, for Kids Hope? What does it look like kind of at the street level?
1: So Kids Hope is a program that partners with churches and helps them partner with schools so that mentors can go in every week and have a one hour meeting with their student and um, a lot of times people will think, well, that sounds like tutoring and i can 't do tutoring but it 's not really tutoring it 's more of a friendship focus it 's about helping these kids who um, they 're at risk of a of a poor worldview and 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 um, their place in it. They might be victims of abuse or neglect or they might just not have an adult consistently caring for them throughout the week. Um, They might be hungry. So we go in, the mentors do, and just try to make friendships and try to inspire hope in these kids. I
0: like what you said about it's not a tutoring program and that's encouraging to me because my daughter is in kindergarten she brings home homework and I'm like got me babe I'm sorry you're on your own and so I think about you know what what the elementary experience is gonna be like and that could prevent some of us from saying you know I think I could do this Um, I the reality is what I'm hearing is it's really about building friendships and so no matter what your skill set is you can build friends with with these young people that's really cool all right so you've been at it now for a handful of weeks Uh, we decided we wanted to soft launch it before we did our public invite Um, so you've been at it now for a little bit what's that been like how hard was it to get it going Um, what's that experience been like for you
1: for me it started with the director training which was um, dense and long i was glad when it was over Um, i took about 20 pages of notes throughout the whole training Um, and then after that I started communicating with the the staff at Ralston Elementary pretty regularly and the staff at Kids Hope USA um, made themselves available and they assisted us in getting the program started Um, I've been meeting with my student for about four weeks now and it's it's been awesome he's he's a cool kid Um, he wants to have a relationship with me as much as I do with him we play Monopoly at uh, the beginning of our meetings because that's what he enjoys and um and then we work through some we read together and we we write together sometimes so it's pretty good
0: cool who's winning in
1: monopoly it's hard telling people ask every time and i just don't know yeah i'm bad (laughs) um let me see what else i've got here How, how are
0: students placed in this program you know ralston's a big school there's probably a lot of need how do we how do we identify the right kids and get leaders and volunteers with the right students
1: kids Help provides some some guidance on how to identify the right kids and the staff at Ralston are actually responsible for identifying and referring the students who may be able to benefit from having a mentor but then on on our side i am meeting with potential mentors and getting to know them and so really it's about how do i match mentors with students in a way that will be a successful relationship. So so um, just because we have mentors and students that need matches doesn't mean we'll necessarily make that match. I want it to be successful.
0: Right on, that's <clears throat> very encouraging. I've done mentoring over the years and I, I do feel like sometimes it's just plug and play. Like, oh, you're ready, you're ready, boom. But it, there's not always that chemistry or that connectedness between mentors and mentees. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, How many volunteers do you think it'll take? They want 10 to 12 uh, students in the program with us. So what does that look like for for us? How many people, how many of us can be
1: involved? Yeah, there are three different volunteer um, opportunities for each student that we support in the program. So there's the mentor and the mentor is the one who is meeting with the student on a regular basis. Then for each of those relationships, there's a prayer partner and the prayer partner commits to praying for the meetings while the meetings are happen happening and also just for the relationship throughout the week. Um, the prayer partner is also in communication with the mentor and trying to uh, find prayer concerns and just understand the way that the relationship is growing. And then the third thing is um, every relationship needs a provider. And what the provider does is provides $15 a month. And that unlocks. Um, curriculum and resources that kids hope provides and this is good stuff it's it's stuff that helps kids uh, learn about forgiveness or about self-control and it helps them to grow in in things like that just in character building it's also training stuff for the mentors and for the prayer partners and um, even stuff about strange situations sometimes uh, a mentor and student relationship has to end and so Kids Hope even provides information on how to make that happen in a positive way sure
0: yeah that's wonderful and I love that we're not recreating something it's something that has a proven track record of working and we as a church are embracing a proven strategy so last question if somebody's in here this morning and they go I'm intrigued by this I'd like to know more uh, maybe even volunteer what would a next step be for them? What can they do even today?
1: Today, um, you can meet me in the lobby. I'm going to be out there. I have informational material, and I've even brought brought some um, applications in case you're ready to make that decision already. But just have a conversation with me about it. I'd love to talk to you about it.
0: Sure. Yeah, and it sounds like there's a lot of great ways to be involved. So please do explore this and uh, consider being a part of it. Uh, thank you, Mike. I'm going to do this. If you guys um, are willing, why don't you go ahead and stand? I'm going to, I'm going to pray over Mike and his ministry and uh, the stuff that we're doing together as a church, and um, and I'm also going to pray for these other ministry opportunities that I've mentioned. And so I want you to just be searching your heart. I mean, maybe God is stirring you to deeper level of involvement and uh, volunteering with Kids Hope or with the teens or with JJM. Uh, but please, please do just honestly go before God and, and ask what he might be leading you toward. All right, Lord, we are so grateful uh, for Mike and Maggie and Elliot. We're so grateful that they're here with us and, and just doing incredible things, Lord. And we pray for your hand of favor on them. We pray, God, for the, the ministry that they've been doing. And we ask, God, that you would continue to increase it. And we, we look forward to the fall and, and to being able to have a bunch of us hanging out with kids over at Ralston. Um, but, but Lord, we, we pray for your, your anointing and your blessing on Mike and his leadership and on this ministry. We, we really do care about the youth, and we pray that we could do a good job of serving them well. And for all these other opportunities that we've outlined today, um, God, would you help us as a church to take a step? Um, it can be easy to be sitting in a service thinking, somebody else will do that. Uh, but Lord, if, if you want us to, to make a move, would you just give that impression even right now in our hearts? If you, if you want us to step forward and say, yeah, I know other people help with kids stuff, but today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step forward and I'm going to make myself available. So God, would you help us to be a church that loves and serves one another and certainly loves and serves our young people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, man.